0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. I want to talk a little bit more about this journey in Lent and give you um, a suggestion of a tool that might be useful to you. But first, I was thinking about... um, Something, something my family was noticing this week. We were on a drive on 76, and after we passed about the third or fourth billboard that was advertising how effective billboards are, Steve wondered out loud why we still have billboards anymore. Did you ever think about this? Especially when they're not being used and they're advertising. We're good at advertising. Pay money and use us. Um, They seem really outdated, and we started to to laugh about it the more we talked about it. When consumers are engrossed in our smartphones or our tablets or our gaming systems, our eyes are down, not up, for much of our lives. So do billboards even get our attention? I did a quick Google search and found that we were not the only ones thinking about this, of course, there's a whole industry out there researching the best way to get our attention. And the most recent study I found was in 2017, and they're, say- they're still saying that billboards are effective, uh, and a number of articles about why that is. I mean, they had our attention, right? We were talking about them. And then right after this conversation in the car, a song came on the radio by Maroon 5 called Payphone. Anybody know this? This, yeah. (laughs) So my kids start singing along, which always surprises me because I don't know how they learn all of the lyrics. This song was written in 2012 about a guy at a payphone trying to call home. And they're my children who probably have never seen a payphone in their lives (laughs) singing this song about it. So how relevant is a payphone anymore? But this song is still on the radio, and often enough that my kids know the lyrics. So I started with this because I, we are in the season of Lent, these 40 days that lead up to Easter, and maybe you can relate to our experience on 76. Maybe your attention has been elsewhere, and here we are, almost halfway through Lent, and you're just looking up and wondering, Is Lent really relevant anymore? Why would I observe Lent? And I know that there are others of you who are choosing to fast from something or add in a discipline or a practice for these 40 days, and you might feel weary. 40 days can feel like a long time. Even if you started your discipline strong, the novelty wears off after a couple of days, I know. And you might start um, dreaming about pizza, like John Ware was telling us the other week in this meeting. Or you, you might have even given up completely because you already feel like you failed. I want to convince you that it's not too late. Lent is still relevant. If you give it the meaning that it needs, that you need it to have right now, you can start a discipline even now. Someone told me this week that their Lenten discipline is to come to this meeting every week. So whatever it is, whether you are, uh, whatever you're trying with intention before God, it's, it's not about being holier than other people or even super spiritual. It's an opportunity for us regular people inviting God to do something new in us. Henry Nouwen in his book The Way of the Heart talks about how a real discipline never remains vague or general. It's a concrete and it's as concrete and specific as daily life itself. So Lent is an opportunity for daily life itself to bring us closer to God. And it's a tangible way to work out Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. That verse implies, it comes in in Mark 12. Jesus says it and implies that we love, we can love with all the parts of us. Love isn't just in our heads or our hearts. It's with our bodies and our minds too. Jesus says this is the great greatest commandment. To love God completely with our whole selves. In that act of of loving God more fully, more wholly, we ourselves are made whole. So I want to talk about, I want to focus on our hearts this week. The first week we talked about how our bodies can get us into Lent how disciplines that cause a little bit of suffering in our bodies can trigger our awareness, our spiritual awareness of our deepest need. And then last week, Gwen got us thinking about how the act of forgiveness, the discipline of forgiveness, works out in our minds. Knowing something about the neurobiology of forgiveness actually helps us with how to practice forgiveness. And today I wanna talk about our hearts. In their book, A Discerning Heart, Wilkie and Maureen Au say that to know something by heart is to experience it, is an experience of wholeness. The term heart is a traditional image for a way of perceiving, feeling, loving, that engages a total person. To St. Augustine, the word signifies our whole interior and spiritual life, and it includes our minds and will and knowledge and love. So I recognize that our minds, hearts, souls, and bodies are, not, are all connected. They're not just like separate functioning entities. We are created as whole, integrated beings. And Lent is an opportunity for us to get back to some of that. Because I think that our lives and our ways of relating can have a way of disintegrating us, fragmenting us from parts of our own selves even, much less from God. We lose heart, our hearts condemn us, At times we feel cold-hearted, overwhelmed by heartache and heartbreak. We get worn out or taken advantage of when we wear, wear our hearts on our sleeve, or our hearts bleed for others, or our hearts go out to someone. Part of survival sometimes can feel like it means just keeping what matters close to our heart so that the world and all of its evil doesn't make us sick at heart. We love so many things, too many things, or maybe nothing at all. So how do we love God with our whole heart? Lent can help us with that. Like Jesus, we're going into a a desert of sorts for 40 days. Henry Nouwen says that the wisdom of the desert is that the confrontation with our own frightening nothingness forces us to surrender ourselves totally and unconditionally to the Lord Jesus Christ. It usually involves getting rid of something, of some scaffolding, the friends or the habits, the noise that builds up around us to the point that we don't even know our own hearts. We're left naked and vulnerable in the desert, seeing ourselves and we want to run to distractions. The invitation of Lent is to go with Jesus into our own desert and face what tempts us. Face the reality of how distracted we can be and turn our hearts again and again to the presence of God until we know and trust and love more fully. Father Thomas Keating was a priest and a theologian, developed a practice, a prayer practice called Centering Prayer. And it's one way that we can enter the desert, so to speak, with Jesus. In Centering Prayer, we're leaving behind all of our distractions, moment to moment, in order to meet our total dependence on God. We may think of prayer usually as as thoughts or feelings or words expressed in words. But that's only one expression of prayer. In the Christian tradition of contemplative prayer, it's it's an opening of your heart and your mind, our whole beings to God, beyond our words and our thoughts and our feelings. Centering prayer is this method of prayer through silence. To begin, you choose a sacred word as a symbol of your consent to God's action and presence within you, and you sit in silence. When you find yourself engaged in thoughts and images and feelings and reflections, you return gently using that word, Repeat it as often as you need to. This practice may sound easy, but it's a lot harder than it seems. You realize how many thoughts that you have at every moment when you're trying to just let them pass without following them or getting caught up in them. There's an image that has helped me um, in this kind of prayer of a boat that's passing overhead while you remain still in the deep water. It's like your thoughts are those boats just floating on the surface, passing by, while you remain down in the water. Whenever you find yourself swimming back up to the surface and hanging onto the boat, you let it go and allow it to pass on. This practice doesn't replace other kinds of prayer, but it, it does put a new perspective and meaning on other ways of praying. It is both a relationship with God and a discipline to develop a relationship with God. It's about communion with God that changes us over time as we let our hearts be reordered and reintegrated and realigned in God's presence. Centering prayer allows us to get to that deep place of love and belonging that our hearts long for. It's not limited to the felt presence of God, but it is a deepening of faith in God's abiding presence, whether we feel it all the time or not. It's a place that remains untouched by the conflicts that we face. So as we let our whole hearts be enveloped in God's love there, the rest of our lives can flow out of that center without getting caught up and drug away or ruffled by the things that move along the surface. My experience with this practice um, has illuminated how quickly I can go to condemning myself. I might be quick to think that I fail when I can't seem to get beneath the surface, hardly at all before I'm drawn back up. And I'm reminded that this practice of returning is what matters. There's a reordering of my heart every time. On a small scale, that's, that's what Lent is about. Going away and returning. Repentance and renewal. It's okay to struggle in prayer and in Lent. It's okay to find your heart wandering. We're working on developing the spiritual awareness that we need to be made new. The Spirit of God is renewing our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, and we keep trying to work that out. Every year, we set aside this season for that. There's a story of a man in John chapter 3 who comes to Jesus at night because he doesn't have it all worked out and he's looking for help. On the surface, Nicodemus seems to be a very capable religious leader, who follows all the religious practices and rules. But he sees in Jesus that there's more to this life with God beyond what he understands so far. He comes to Jesus at night to ask his questions in secret. Jesus tells him he must be born from above. It's this mysterious answer. He's talking about a new way of being in the spirit Jesus knows that Nicodemus is sensing something beyond his ordinary awareness and religious training, and he doesn't want to just go through the motions anymore, even though he's embarrassed about not having all the answers. I think Nicodemus is getting into his spiritual awareness and even divine awareness that this connection with God is more powerful and all-consuming and bigger than his rituals and rules and religiosity. Nicodemus wanted to feel it. But he struggled with Jesus teaching to him because it wasn't the concrete rules he understood about how the world works. He took Jesus' response about being born again literally and it just didn't make sense. So what Jesus did is he pointed him to this deeper spiritual awareness of what the Spirit of God is doing. And that's where the most famous verse comes from. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus was leading Nicodemus to salvation through himself, a new life, being born from above and fueled by the Spirit. The invitation of Centering Prayer is to follow your curiosity about that deeper spiritual awareness and to let yourself come to Jesus in the quiet, dark night and be opened and changed by the mysterious reality that the Spirit of God lives in you. Out of that deep place of belonging and communion and connection with God, our lives can flow. We can and will face experiences and thoughts that try to pull our hearts and minds in all directions. But the grounding of a deep life with God in prayer where we can experience the fullness of God's love for us, enables us to love God with all of our hearts. So let's keep practicing. Let me pray for us. Jesus, when our our rules and our training and our religiosity don't work for us anymore, we come to you. Show us, show us the way to a deeper life in God through your spirit. Give us strength to practice encouragement through one another and courage to keep trying when our hearts condemn us because your love is greater than our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.